Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Gift Wellness, an award-winning social enterprise that makes non-toxic and hypoallergenic sanitary pads and their new range of plastic-free vegan cleansing and shampoo bars. Founded by Dr. Zareen Ahmed in memory of her daughter Halima, who was tragically killed in 2007, Gift Wellness make and sell healthy lifestyle products that give their customers a feeling of well-being and the knowledge that they are supporting a brand that cares about their individual needs, as well as the environment and the needs of those who are less fortunate. Their scheme, Buy One, Gift One, means that for every pack sold, a pack is donated to women in refugee camps and women in need via food banks and schools. Gift pads are at least six times more absorbent than most ordinary brands. This makes them better for the environment because around a third less product is used and thrown away. The friendly packaging and branding dispels taboos. It celebrates women so they don't have to hide them away or be embarrassed. Gift Wellness are offering listeners of Collective Wisdom a super generous 30% discount using the code CAT30. That's C-A-T-30. So head over to giftwellness.co.uk to learn more about this inspiring social enterprise that's helping thousands of women around the world to safeguard their dignity during times of crisis. Use the code CAT30, C-A-T-30 at checkout if you like what you see. And I promise you won't be disappointed. Thanks so much to Gift Wellness. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to another episode of Collective Wisdom. This podcast, as you know, is all about celebrating our differences and the fact that it's diversity that makes humanity so awe-inspiring. So it was such a thrill to be invited to Hong Kong to host a panel for International Women's Day recently that was all about equity and inclusion. What happens when we listen to each other's stories is remarkable and always fosters connection. And that's just what my guest today specializes in. She invited a lot of women in the workplace to share their stories and the outcome is Pivot, a wonderful comedy web series that draws on those experiences and aims to highlight some of the madness in the world we're living in. It's really about bringing the power of storytelling to leadership and surrounding yourself with people who share your values but bring a different perspective. I just loved hearing Imogen's stories about the creative journey she's been on recently and I hope you do too. Season nine of Collective Wisdom is all about strong female leaders and joining me today is Imogen Short. Imogen is a professional storyteller, award-winning writer and business leader. Throughout her career in business strategy and narrative development, she sought opportunities to introduce new and diverse perspectives, plot twists, and to highlight undertones of absurdity in the daily grind. She's an avid supporter of equality and inclusion at work and a weary survivor of the corporate world. In 2020, Imogen co-founded Three Wise Sheep Productions to create a new voice for comedy in Australia and beyond. 
Their goal is to put underrepresented voices front and center of the story, using satire to provoke important conversations with global reach. Their award-winning short film, Sweet Corn, premiered at the BAFTA and LA Shorts Film Festival. And they're now launching their comedy web series, Pivot, which features an ambitious 40-year-old woman as she reaches the final stages of her assessment to become the bank's first female CEO. And the only thing in her way is a middle-aged white guy with a misogyny problem and a lycra obsession. If it sounds all too familiar, it probably is. So Imogen, a warm, warm welcome. Thank you so much for being here. And before we start, I'd just like to say congratulations on the launch of Pivot. It sounds like it's gone swimming. Thank you. Yeah, so, so we, um, uh, and, and thanks very much for having me uh, today. Um, we, we hosted the premiere, um, in-person premiere last night at Soho House in um, in Hong Kong, um, and it was actually sold out to capacity at about 100 people, which was just uh, phenomenal and, and really shows sort of the appetite for this kind of content and, um, you know, moving into International Women's Day um, and and really celebrating the role of women um, and especially in the workplace. Uh, so it was an absolute phenomenal event and I don't think um, there's much I would have changed about it, if anything. Um, it really did just go seamlessly and, that, you know, that's full credit to British Chamber of Commerce for hosting um through the women and business committee so um yeah it was it was really good I, it was pretty daunting i think to see yeah. your work on the on the big screen um and um and to have sort of the audience's immediate reactions to to the jokes that you've written um and um so yeah i mean the, the only thing that it was a shame was because i'm based in hong kong and my entire production team is is in australia i was the only one from the production uh, to sort of um, enjoy that atmosphere. So my co-creator Neve um, was sort of waiting for updates through the evening, and um, and you know I, we sort of promised that we won't do them without each other again. But you know the luxury of of travel yeah. now that it's back, that's fine. But um, but yeah, it was a, it was a shame last night. But I think you know looking forward to some film festivals this year, and, and we'll go together and really enjoy that experience. I think. Yeah, and it's, I mean, for a writer, it must be the ultimate accolade to just see that brought to life by characters and, yeah, have them speak those lines. Just amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, presumably you've got launches planned in Australia as well, because that's kind of its home base. Yeah, so we we did a, um, an in-person premiere um, in in January, but that was just for cast and crew. Um, and that was really to celebrate, you know, none of the actors, none of the, the crew had seen the final production. Um, so we hired a cinema, um, we had sort of 30 people um, just come for the afternoon and, and watch it. And that was sort of their first screening. Um, and, and you know, that, that was really good. That was a really good experience, but th those people are not our target audience. And, and so it was, you know, they'd been part of the creative experience and creative process. And so it was amazing to sort of see it come to life. Um, but this was a real test of it going to the audience that we're talking to and trying to, you know, engage in a conversation with. Um, and so, it, it, you know, there was laughter throughout, even at the points that I was really worried that there'd just be silence. Um, and so <laughs> it, it, it was really, feeling. it's always like a concern, is it? Just like, oh God, this, is this joke going to land? Um, and then some unexpected jokes land much better than the ones that you were expecting to to be really funny. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful experience uh, to to see it come to life and and to see those characters 
um, and to actually discuss those characters, I think, because we were very purposeful in developing each character um, and, and they all play a role in the dynamics of the show. Um, and I think different characters resonated for different people. And I think that's part of the magic of writing and, and developing characters, which is you know one of my favorite parts of writing. Um, and, and, you know, having people say, well, I really resonated with this part of this character when they said that. And, you know, I really wanted to know more about this character and, and find out their background. So it was just magic, actually. Um, and I've, you know, I've never really been in that situation where it's been, you know, that kind of audience and, and you're just sitting there getting immediate sort of feedback. Um, I think maybe I've tried to avoid it because it really is very uncomfortable at points. But um, it was absolutely wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. So uh, I'm still... Still very much enjoying the the halo effect of um, of a good a good premiere. So um, so yeah, but I think you know um, we're hoping for a few festivals in in Australia. Um, we we um, we had the Sydney Web Fest last December where we won a couple of awards. We were nominated to five awards, uh, including best screenplay and best comedy, and then we took home two, which was amazing. Um, but again, Neve attended that because it was uh, I couldn't make it due to work. Um, and so she attended that and then I attended last night. And so we've made a promise to each other now to attend together and enjoy the experience as a partnership, um, which is what this has been for the last three years. So, um, you know, COVID has thrown its spanner in the works with with filming and travel and stuff. But I'm hoping this year it really will be sort of a, a much better experience of that collaboration in person and, and just enjoying enjoying film festivals and, you know, the odd red carpet, if that's in our future. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, there's all sorts of challenges. There's a challenge of of actually getting everyone in one space, but there's also the you know, it's not that budgeting. When whenever you talk to people about yeah. actually making a, a a film, there's a lot that goes into it. And did you go in yeah. with, your eyes, with your eyes open? Did you did you know? <laughs> no, I mean, so we started off uh, three years ago with Sweetcorn, which was self funded. So. Um, we had a small amount of, of budget that we'd put in together um, and we we knew sort of the story we wanted to tell. It went through quite a few iterations and we sort of settled on um, authenticity in the workplace and, you know, a woman's role and what's expected of her versus what, um, you know, bringing your health up to work and how that sort of paradox can lead to this sort of cognitive dissonance like you can be this and this and this and remember to smile but also bring your whole self to work but don't be too aggressive or too assertive um so it was it was really fun actually playing around with sort of those big themes like that and that was really uh, a, a massive eye-opener in terms of production and and getting people on board um especially when you've got limited budget but thankfully people are so passionate about that kind of subject where you're exploring you know female stories um, that they were willing to work with us and um that we had so many challenges during COVID. I couldn't actually be there for the filming over the two days because both our countries were in lockdown at that time. So I was just desperately waiting for um, for updates. My twin sister was on set, sending me pictures every sort of five minutes. Um, so so that was that was really challenging. I think for different reasons, but you know it was it was such an eye opener, and we we found that we loved it so much, and we were really looking for the next opportunity to to continue to grow that story and that main character um, and really see what she could do because she's such a unique character. And, you know, it, it, so, the, so the main character, Mel, is sort of a 40-year-old woman who has, you know, been rising through the ranks of the corporate world. She's had to adapt her behaviour to, to thrive in that kind of world. Um, and now she's sort of being assessed on that behaviour, but also being told that 
in order to get to this level, she needs to be much more authentic and, you know, embed these core values in a really authentic way. Um, and and in Pivot, she's sort of assessed by this overt misogynist, which, you know, represents this sort of world in which she's sort of set up to fail. And there's other characters throwing challenges in her way. Um, so Sweetcorn was an eye-opener in terms of sort of a, a small production. When we got funding um, for, for Pivot, you know, it was a it was a huge opportunity, but also almost a sort of an overwhelming opportunity because you're just like, like we can we we ended up getting on board sort of a crew of about forty plus twenty volunteers, and suddenly you know mm. you've got this this production of sixty people. Um, we were really lucky with our producers. Um, we had an executive producer and, and story producer Amanda Reedy who'd worked on web series, comedy web series before because we'd never done anything like this. So, so we were lucky. And then we had Lauren Simpson, who is just a powerhouse of a producer. And she'd just finished um, filming a, a um, feature film. And so she brought that entire production crew to our production. And that was amazing because these guys knew each other. They'd been working together for the last month. And so literally when Neve and I showed up in Melbourne in this sort of big um, corporate uh, boardroom, I guess, um there was just so many people and we were just we just walked in we were just like oh my gosh this is like a dream come true and honestly we filmed over four days sort of um and they were pretty long days um what, what i actually didn't realize going into this filming was that on average you can film about seven minutes of content a day so when i was like oh right it's only it's only gonna be 20 minutes long 28 minutes long so you know how much can we get through and neve turned around and went no no, seven minutes is ambitious. That's like, that's, it's, wow. it's one episode a day max. And so that was a real, real eye opener. But, um, but walking into that room and seeing, um, you know, the cameras set up and the screens and the monitors and everyone just, you know, experts in what they're doing and, and sorting, sorting everything out. And um, they sort of put these two little high chairs with um, paper sign on the back saying writer and director. And I was just like, this is it. Uh, if I never achieve anything else in my yeah. life, I've made this is all I ever wanted to do, <laughs> and um, and so and and it was wonderful. Like it was it was hard work. It took took eighteen months. Oh, it took about a year to develop the scripts because it's just you know thinking about characters and then thinking about the scripts. And each script, there's four scripts, and each one sort of went to double digits versions, right? So twenty one twenty one versions. Wow. Um, wow. And then at the same time, you're auditioning and you're, and you're asking the, 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 the actors to, to read the scripts. And, um, and, and we had contributing writers. We were really lucky to work with um, contributing writers that sort of, um, well, representation on screen was really important to us. So we knew we needed sort of the cultural backgrounds and gender identities of our characters to be reflected in the writing and in the acting. Um, so we're really lucky to work with contributing writers who were giving us input throughout um, throughout the the experience, both in terms of characters and, and then and then dialogue. Um, and and so it's it's a full before you even get to the the filming. It's a full development process, and, and at the same time you're hiring people, you're working on locations and and wardrobe, and you know there's so much that goes into it. But honestly, stepping into that that room for four days that was just the most magical four days i think of my professional life um and you know this is a hobby i don't get paid this is a part-time part-time in the evening and weekend so um yeah. so this was this was really a, a labor of love um from beginning to end and it, and it still very much is um but we were so lucky to work with with the cast that we had who all who were all comedians you can imagine getting five comedians in the room 
and reading your scripts and just the banter and the hilarity of what they bring to the characters. And, um, and actually one of the remarks last night about um, sort of the main uh, male character was the nonverbal um, cues that he was giving, which are just as bad as some of the dialogue that he was using to sort of suppress this female leader. And I think that's so true. And, and the actor, Damien Callanan, captured it so well. He played that character so deliciously, awfully, um, that <laughs> it comes on screen. It makes, it sort of gives you goosebumps when you watch it. It's like, oh God, this guy. Um, and so it was just, it was just magic to, to work with him. So, and then you sort of get to the end of a four day shoot and you're absolutely exhausted. Um, and you're only at the beginning really, because that you've then got reams and reams of, of, um, filming to then edit into the editing down know, which which like writing in seven minutes yeah yeah, yeah exactly same, same thing you, you um, throw everything on the page and then it's what you actually leave behind is the yeah and that's the hardest part right condensing your words into succinct words is one of the hardest parts of writing right so that then became just a, a huge job and we were we were very lucky to work with a good editor mal um who I don't know how editors do it, honestly. They work through just hours and hours of of um of um short like just films and then um and then you know comedy I think is just a different beast as well because it's really important yeah. to get the the dialogue and then the reaction because the funny part is the reaction. And so it's really it's really working through that timing and um yeah, so a big process and then when once you get to the end of editing you're then at the beginning of marketing and distribution and that's another so it's and that's kind of where we are now i mean we've yeah. we've, we've only just launched online um in terms of sort of a lead up to to the launch this this thursday um so yeah so it's it's a big process but it's wonderful it's it's a really magical creative experience well, that's um, what comes across yeah, is, is that that there's a few things that you know I wanted to dig into there. First of all, how much of a collaboration it is, and that you you are just all about collaboration and and connection, and sort of that's how you make those connections with people. But also, it's it's a, a passion. There's love in there. You know, that's yeah. what is bringing this to life, and I think that's what comes across in the way the stories are told. So, although they're quite serious subjects, you know, being able to use humor to just take that level of angst you know that that is satire yeah. it's just it's hard to do from what you've described it's not but you are writing about real life situations you know and i'm i was intrigued yeah. as to how much of this has been influenced by you know you you've been through that corporate space yourself just those moments and and do you write them down do you how do you capture the sort of the real boiled down essence of making it funny. So I spent 12 years in, in corporate um, and, and in, in London, Sydney, and then in Hong Kong. And I think there's just, I have such vivid memories of moments where it's either been sort of overt misogyny or just this subliminal sort of um, Machiavellian almost microaggression um, that sort of chips away at your confidence and your sense of identity in the, in the world of work. So I personally was was drawing on on that um, for a lot of the the experiences and dialogue. And then my creative partner Neve um, has has worked as a film director um, for big corporations uh, and, and was drawing on her own experiences. And you know, at the beginning of um, developing the script, we actually sat down and, and spoke to a number of um, female leaders about their experiences and we invited them to share 
their stories um, with us. And um, and that was really a, a, a big eye opener. You know, everything from sort of non-inclusive behaviour through to this just overt misogyny and these are examples that you kind of look back and you go, how did how did anyone think that that was acceptable? And I think the underlying theme for us was that it just was acceptable. Like it was, there was really nothing you could do at that time to challenge that kind of behaviour because it would only come back on you to say something. Like it was just not a, an inclusive environment where you could stick your hand up and say, actually, this is this is really making me uncomfortable. And I know things have started to shift in the last few years, um, especially with the hashtag Me, Me Too, um, bringing to the forefront all this stuff that's just been going on. But we're still 150 years away from global equality at all levels in the workplace. Like even with this amount of momentum, mm. we're still very, very far away. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, speaking to these, these female leaders, it really did give us a lot of um, stories that we could work with um, and drawing on some of the dialogue and some of the, the nuances of being in that kind of space. Um, and also it really reaffirmed that we were on the right course because this was something that was just an untapped mine of, of content um, that we really wanted to bring to, to life and, and explore um, and tell a serious story, but in a really humorous way. And, you know, when you listen to some of that stuff, you sort of go, it's satire, but it's really not satire. Like it's, it's, it's actual stuff, but it's yeah. satire. Like it's satire is dead. Like it's just, if this is the world we're living in, like, how, how satire is just dead so um it was really interesting bringing it to life and you know we had so many late nights working on scripts and just sometimes we were just laughing hilariously at some of these characters and the situations that they were creating for themselves and sometimes we were just tearing our hair out this is just you know this is it's just it's such frustrating content to deal with sometimes but you know it's that kind of dichotomy that you're working with it's the hilarity and the the brutality of it almost and you're just like this has got to be satire like this this is a story we're telling but you you know it, it just lends itself so well to the satire so um it was a it was a combination of a lot of different stories i think and and when we were sort of talking about pivot to to people just to friends and, and people in our network um it was amazing to see how much people opened up about their own experiences because everyone has yeah. some experience that they can think of when, when you talk about that so um so yeah, it, it was it was an amazing experience to be sort of sharing stories, but also be on the receiving end of, of that kind of vulnerability and and, um, and authenticity from these female leaders who've been through these things as well. And I think that's what's going to make it such a powerful tool in the work that you do, creating those sort of safer cultures, those more inclusive cultures in work. You know, if if this is something you can then present because it does resonate it does allow people to go, God, me too. You know, when you hear a story that really lands. Yeah. And I think it's also that your your lead character, Mel, isn't, she's a bit like a sort of flea bag character. She is flawed in herself. And yes. yeah. that, that, so it's not coming from this place of sanctimony or I've got it all right. You know, it's not ramming it down your throat. It's, yeah, we're just all human and finding even saying the word absurd, it's just finding that lens, dialing the lens up of this is actually quite funny when when you when you take it out yeah. of its context and just yeah. shine a light on it. It's hilarious. Yeah. When you examine it, you're just kind of like, this is an absurd world we live in. I mean, yeah. if you really peel back the layers, it's just um, 
it's quite frightening actually but um but i think mel um and and we were really lucky, lucky with um the actress who plays plays mel hannah bath who we worked with on sweet corn because she was the main main character there as well and she brought her in nuances because mel is is a complex character like she struggles with her own authenticity and she's sort of adapted her behavior to lose sight of her authenticity because that's what she's needed to do but now she really wants this promotion and she's really struggling to to get there and so she's purposefully not perfect and and that was actually raised last night um because what you don't want is a perfect female character sort of ascending to the top and and it's just um misogyny and, and barriers being thrown in her way she sometimes isn't her own, she is her own worst enemy and um and you know it's when we sort of we were developing the character we did it on the basis of she needs to be relatable but not necessarily likable so if you think about characters like David Brent Fleabag um they're not necessarily the most likable people no not at all you not relate to them you relate to them really so, and so we looked at what their flaws were and how they sort of got in the way of of what they were trying to achieve and we sort of looked at how we do the same thing to, for Mel and um and she does, she she does come across as sort of a very flawed character but you sort of really start to want um her to succeed um and i think that's what we were sort of hoping for because you know no we're all human and no one's perfect and especially in that kind of world where you're sort of always shifting between dynamics um and trying to find a level of identity that you're comfortable sharing um and so yeah so she i love the character mel i've got a lot of time for her i think she's been hard done by for a long time um and i think the pivot serves her well in the end but she struggles through um through some hardship to get there so um but yeah it 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 was tricky i mean developing the two male characters was very very straightforward because we knew who they were and we knew you know we 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 knew the story we were telling through them um and but when you get to sort of a female character you you i think you've also got to be just careful that you're not you know not too assertive because then she's aggressive and not yeah. too passive because then she's a walkover and and i think it was really interesting to to think that us during a character development process was going through exactly what women go through in the workplace and so you're just sort of playing with this um this fine line between you know where do you go to not be judged in this way and to not then come under fire for for writing a character that's too much this and we were just like god this needs to be just exploded honestly this needs to be unpacked and just completely um explored in a really meaningful way so um she was challenging to write she really was but yeah. she was a lot of fun as well and you know we worked with Hannah as well to um to bring it to life and, and I think Hannah just added another level of uh hilarity to that character with with her her sort of dialogue and her non-verbal so um we're very lucky to to have Hannah um playing Mel because oh, I just whenever I speak to Hannah I just call her Mel because they are one and the same for me I just I can't to be honest I didn't meet Hannah in person for about a year and I was just writing Mel and and so it was very strange to have this experience of meeting Hannah in person and being like oh so you're Mel and then it's kind of like no oh, okay sorry I'll separate so um yeah that was pretty which which pretty is a guess I guess that is the full empathy piece of like if you if you're really good at what you do as an actor you become that character you inhabit yeah. who they are and then and then i guess once you've got that character i mean does it does it feel now like there's a new um direction for this to go because 
the characters have almost brought it all to life. There must be a process where you see them all coming to life and suddenly, okay, the next lines are going to be easier because we've now done the hard work of actually creating her as an entity. Yeah, yeah it's it's an interesting um, question. And you, I mean, we've put so much hard work into developing those characters. It'd be a shame for that to sort of be the end of them and that's sort of a self-contained um season we've we've talked about season two um and i think we were sort of waiting to see what the reception for this season was like and whether there was sort of an appetite we already have an idea for what what season two would be and and i think we'd probably find a way um to to try to bring some of those incredible actors back um and those characters so um stay tuned i guess is the the answer to that (laughs) and we'll see what happens and what are you starting to see? Because obviously, I mean, you've said this is a side project. This is, you know, the work that you actually do is about really busting open spaces, making workplaces more inclusive. You know, the, the, the sort of the essence of the message behind this work. Are you, are you seeing it have an impact, you know, in, in your day job, if you like? Yeah. It's, it's, do you know what? It's, I was reflecting on that this morning because I was, I was thinking I'm, um, just really lucky that um, the parallels between my personal hobby and my professional work mm-hmm. overlap so or align so nicely. So in my professional, in my full-time job, I am a storyteller for corporate. So I work on, on sort of two big things. One is taking um, people through change in organizations, which is how do you authentically engage people in what's about to happen? How do you make sure it's about the people by developing sort of that long running narrative that engages people? Um, and also the other side is how do you train leaders to have compassionate and empathetic conversations and, and to create those safe spaces um, where you can really understand what people are thinking and feeling as you go through that. And then using story, um, well, using story first as sort of a vehicle for a compassionate conversation. If you understand how story structure works, you can understand um how to ask really good questions about what someone's telling you. If you if you sort of know that there needs to be certain things in a story, then you can sort of interrogate them in a really meaningful way about, you know, when did this begin for you? Why is this happening? What do you think the end is going to look like? And I think it gives you that sort of um, third party vehicle to to create a safe space yeah. um, and to, to really explore someone's feelings while perhaps not overstepping the mark or, or becoming too involved yourself which is often what happens in sort of really really um initial conversations so so bringing story to leadership um and i think you know it's it's really about that authentic leadership so one of the things we look at is who are you as a character if you're the hero in your main story you're uh, you're the main character in your story you know what kind of character are you let's let's move aside all the corporate language that you've been using for years and years and let's really get into the dirt and the the you know the strengths and the weaknesses of your your character and look at the kind of language that you would use and and you know the parallels between character development for script writing and character development for leadership are really really similar the psychology is is pretty similar you're looking at why characters do certain things the mind mindset the language they use the behavior um and you're trying to bring that to life in an authentic way so Helping people sort of get to grips with that in a really authentic way is part of what I love about that training. And then helping them become better storytellers um, and mm. and really looking at sort of the science and, and influence of story, uh, which is something that I'm just incredibly passionate about. And, you know, through, um, through Three Wise Sheep and the productions, we've been really lucky to 
have been invited on sort of emerging talent incubators with some incredible writers who have just you know they talk about their work and they talk about how story works and you it just blows your mind that more people aren't using this amazing tool that is essentially how humans connect with each other yeah. and if anything's lacking in the world right now it's human connection and kindness and i think for me personally and i'll talk about this till i'm blue in the face story is the answer if we can get more people sharing stories across cultural boundaries across countries across you know um whatever's happening in the world i think you're you know you can see the impact of these seismic shifts um of these big narratives like black lives matter and hashtag me too that have such a huge impact on the world um and they start with storytellers and, and they invite people to share their stories and then more people share and that begins to build momentum so story is really about building momentum and, and creating that movement um so yeah, that's kind of my 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 passion in life is absolutely about story and and so it sits so nicely between the two the two passions that I have. One is sort of working with leaders to to help them tell their story, and then the other is to actually tell these sort of female leader stories um, through the production company. Yeah, and I mean you speak my language completely. It's it's about when you can hear your own story reflected, and then step up and 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 feel that it's not just you, that you're not the only person, Yeah, you know, because again, you know, inclusion at the end of the day is all about a sense of belonging. And often the thing that makes you feel like you don't belong is invisible to other people. You know, it, it, it is that unconscious yeah. bias. It's, it's those things that, oh my God, I didn't even realize because I've never thought about how it feels to be you, whether that's because you're a woman or because you're of a different race or a different faith or, you know, it, it's where, but what we're looking for is where actually we have humanity in common. That's that for me yes. is, is what yeah. you know, shared stories kind of. And then you said that wonderful thing about how it's it's such a a beautiful way to lead from a place of vulnerability to 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 work on what what is the story you want to tell, and that that allows you mm. to sort of come from a place of I don't know if I have all the answers, but I'm definitely going to share a story and see what resonates, and and that for me is what you've been doing, especially with the you know this latest web series is is taking the stories of female leaders and then putting them into a into a sort of um, a compact yeah using the comedy and the humor to to make it accessible and relatable but also engaging you know people will want to come and listen to this and, and yeah, because, <laughs> because there are those moments where it's just like oh my god and i think it makes it more memorable when somebody you know they like even in the in the intro it, you've got a trailer and there's you know the two guys are in their lycra cycle shorts you know slapping mm. each other on the and it's just it's just killingly funny and i think that's what makes it so okay let's take all the gloves off let's you know and then and then we can get to the nitty-gritty of what what change might look like what would be more inclusive mm. um i love that line of there's one of the guys says, oh, he doesn't see race and he doesn't see gender. And, you know, and it's just it's just you could yeah. take that one little soundbite and just then explore from a place of, OK, um, yeah, now we've opened it up and we can have that conversation. Yeah. It's so much more inclusive as a conversation in, in a way. 
than 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 saying no you're you're all wrong and that hostility that comes up when you when you go under attack and you know and and it, and it takes yeah. away that kind of need for offensive and defensive behavior which is just magical yeah and i think that that's a really good point because um i think when you when you're a leader i think part of the the struggle with um uh creating an inclusive and diverse environment and a safe space is is recognizing your own unconscious biases and and we all have them and and it's about understanding what they are and 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 being able to be really humble and courageous in sort of acknowledging those and i think um if you can unpack sort of conversations like that that line i don't see gender or race it's one of my favorite initiatives because i think it encapsulates encapsulates so much of what's unexplored, you know, this sort of super level, superficial conversations we have about um, sort of how it, how would diversity and inclusion works in an organization. And then you get somebody who says that and everyone's sort of unsure about what, what is the appropriate thing to say. And, and let's unpack that and just have a conversation about it. And let's recognize what the bias is there and, and why that's, you know, not the appropriate thing to say. And um, I think, for leaders, they need to step into a space that they're not, they're not necessarily going to be completely comfortable. And I think that's that's part yeah. of the challenge. And it, it is really how do you create a safe space for for other people? You have to you have to lead the way with with sort of authenticity and vulnerability. So it's not easy, but um, there's certainly there's certainly ways to do it. And I think leaders are, are sort of stepping up to the mark to to try and to take that on. Yeah, and what you're doing is actually <clears throat> pouring all of the sort of the creative, the the love for that process into this. And I think that's also what resonates. That's what really comes through is, you know, the the fun that you've had. This has not been easy to get to get right, to 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 make, to, you know, from going from a, oh, I've got an idea about a story to seeing it in that cinema with with the audience. That's a huge process to go through. Yes. But that energy and compassion <laughs> is is what what really comes through at the end of it. Yeah, and I, I think that's the that's the one thing I think that I've never struggled with is is sort of the energy and compassion, firstly for story and then for the story that I'm trying to tell. And I think it does take perseverance. Um, and there are times when you don't feel like discussing um, version 17 of the script because mm. you've seen it so many times you can't even read the words anymore um but it's 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 that underlying passion and energy for it and to know that at the end of it you're going to tell a meaningful story that hopefully you know if it affects one person's life then what more can you do do you know what I mean so um yeah I, I just there's as you can probably tell I just have so much passion for the power of story and especially um for female stories because I think women just need to get better at telling their stories and i think we can all play a role in um in sharing our own stories um and and you know there might be a nugget of of um information in our story that helps someone else and um by sharing our story we're also inviting people to to share theirs and, and creating that space so i think storytelling is is such a powerful way to create that connection and empathy um but it's heavily underutilized and um that's part of my job. To, to it's so true. And it's, to use it. you know, what I love about it is that that's how we came together because it was through this, this podcast is all about storytelling. This it's, it's shining a light on people doing amazing things to just make those 
perceptible positive changes in the world that just make it a better place that put us in a room and then it was your kind of when I read through the bios of the panel that we you know I just hosted a panel and and it was like oh this this is all about story Imogen and I are going to have a lot to talk about and then I found that we actually had a a mutual friend Donna Titley in in common we have to give a big shout out to Donna and I love that you know that when she was talking about kaleidoscope so you bring all of that into I mean, tell me about kaleidoscope and networking. And so it takes the, you know, when you think about networking, often it's like, oh, well, I I get this thinking feeling of like, I've got to go in there with a big shiny badge of who I am and I've proved myself. And whereas it sounds like what you do with kaleidoscope is bring people together through that, that compassion, through that storytelling, and then help them find the people in in the world find those allies find the the connections make those connections that are going to help them get to where they want to be yeah and that that was certainly the intention and I certainly share your anxiety when it comes to sort of networking events and you know you read all these articles five tips on better networking you like okay talk about the weather ask them a question (laughs) ask them a surprising question and I'm so, you get to those events, you're like, I'm not going to ask them a surprising question. No, it's really strange. I just want to leave. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to stand in the, in the corner and eat some buffet and then go home. Um, and so um, we created Glidoscope in 2018, actually. And um, I, I co-founded it with, with two friends, um, Nolene and Karen, who've since left um, Hong Kong to go back to Australia. Um, and it started off with this idea that we wanted to, to focus on big big ideas, not small talk, and take that anxiety out of networking for women and really get into a place where we could have um, conversations about really meaningful stuff um, and big topics that we weren't necessarily explored in sort of an authentic or personal way in a work context. Um, So how could we create that space? And and, um, it started off with sort of six people. And the idea is you you invite a plus one when you come back. So you you kind of, you know what the, the philosophy is. And you know someone who might enjoy this philosophy, you invite them. So it, it's sort of a plus one invite. So the person who's stepping into that world always kind of knows what they're stepping into. It's never a, a shock. And then, um, you know, we just meet for breakfast and we set a um, a topic each, each time we meet, whether it's purpose or um, transitioning through change um, or goal setting, action planning for the year ahead. And... Um, I think one pre-pandemic or just as the pandemic was slowing things down in Hong Kong, we focused the entire year um, around personal boardroom. So who do you want in your personal boardroom? What what does a personal boardroom actually look like? Um, Is there someone in this room who could be in your personal boardroom? And how do we support each other in in having that sort of genuine um, network where where you can rely on on different things for, for different people? And, uh, and Donna came on board um, a few years ago now, actually, and it's just a wonderful, brings such a wonderful coaching influence to the space and, you know, facilitates these really, really interesting and meaningful conversations within the group. Um, and so I like, I love our partnership. I think it's just, it's just wonderful. And, um, you know, we're always really excited about the next event and, and, um, and the feedback is just always wonderful because it's, you know, there's no pretense, there's no... You know, we send out a bit of pre-reading. If you haven't read it, it doesn't matter. Um, and then we sort of talk about the topic, what's important to you. It's not about uh, work or titles. Um, I don't think we even talk about sort of roles in the room. We just sort of say, 
um, who we are and, and, you know, how we came to know about Kaleidoscope. And then we go into the conversation and that's by design. So it's not sort of a, a networking, this is what I do. Um, it's very much, uh, this is what I believe. And um, I'll always remember uh, one of the, one of the I just think, nicest pieces of feedback we had was uh, a woman who'd just given birth to her fourth child and sort of showed up to the one of the breakfasts. And, and we were just kind of like, gosh, you know, if you don't have time to come, we really understand, you know, you, you must be exhausted. And she was like, to be honest, this is the only thing I'll leave the house for. And I think that was just magic. Wow. You know, because yeah. Just a, a so there's such appetite for these kinds of conversations in a safe space where um, where you just want to be surrounded by people who um, share your values, but bring different perspectives. And and the idea is that, you know, the reason we call it kaleidoscope is because by adding a new perspective, you're changing your own perspective. And so it shifts sort of like a kaleidoscope every time you add a, a new plus one. And that's really important because you don't want the same people discussing the same thing um, every every time. So we always, we sort of have a core of dedicated members who've been with us since the beginning, but the it sort of flexes um, every time we meet. And I think there's sort of about 60 people on our, on our group. Um, and I think we every time we meet, there's a difference sort of between 12 and 18 people that come along. So um, it's a really wonderful group. And it's it sort of, you know, through the pandemic, um, we um, it obviously got stopped um, for, for mm, obvious reasons. Yeah, um, and and people were asking when it was going to start again. So there was, you know, that even, you know, when we weren't physically able, it was sort of that appetite to keep things going. And um, and as long as there's that appetite, we'll, we'll keep running it. I mean, I personally love it. I know Donna gets a lot of joy from it as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun at the end of the day. And, and it's something that we're passionate about because it is about um, sharing stories in the hopes that, you know, we can help each other and connect with each other in a more meaningful way. So, um, so yeah, and, and, it, and it's sort of female-led. So um, it, it is for women. We don't discourage men from joining. We've never had a guy join. Um but that's not to say that we wouldn't we wouldn't welcome them into the group. But it is about sort of empowering women um, and and just having those conversations in a really really safe space. So um, yeah, it's something that I I really love, and I'm glad we're getting back to a regular cadence this year because it's been so disruptive. You know, we'd have an event and then we'd be like, right, we're back, and then COVID wave five or six would hit and we'd be like, right, we're not back again. And so it was a lot lot of stop start. Um, for a long time but I think this year um, we're, we're sort of getting back into a good cadence of of six weeks um, breakfast every, every six weeks and you know we've been thinking about what's beyond Kaleidoscope you know if this is a, a really um, sort of core concept how else can we add value um, to these women's lives by by um, expanding the conversation or inviting speakers to talk on you know or inviting members to to speak on their expertise and, and share that in a, in a slightly different way so um, we won't change the breakfast, but we're always thinking about whether there's an opportunity to to do more. And um, and again, you know, we don't make any money from it. It's a complete passion and hobby of ours. Um, and that will that's the intention. Um, so um, so yeah, it's just a wonderful part of of my life. And and I was really lucky to be included in the founding group and mm-hmm. to have sustained it and to have Donna come on board and to to sort of work in that partnership together. Yeah, I mean, I I love I love everything about it. I think I think finding those 
connections through shared values is so important and mm. and then the div diversity pieces yeah you know you can often find yourself in a bit of an echo chamber if you if you work in one organization and that's the only people you get to speak to and so it just allows you to to inhabit different spaces with creative people doing different things and then this piece around it doesn't all have to be for a profit or you know i think i think mm. other it's a real sort of sense of community when you're able to put something like that into the world. It takes a lot of energy and drive and people showing up and the the value from it isn't always in in dollar terms. it's it's kind of um, yeah. it's what you get out of it in so many other ways, which kind of leads us nicely into this whole piece. The question I always ask about, empathy and kindness because I see it as a currency I see it as something that yeah. you know when you when you put those values first you you actually end up um it becomes a bit of a compass it becomes an easy way to reflect on oh, what am I going to do next what's the kindest thing I can do here so what when I asked you the question about you know an act of kindness that's impacted you what um what came up for you yeah okay so it's a it's a really good question and um and le let me actually share a story about kindness which is just my favorite story in the world so um there's an anthropologist uh called margaret mead who um who asked her students what they thought was the first sign of civilization and you know they said sort of the standard things uh tools shelter um you know making fire cooking meat that kind of thing and she surprised them by saying, actually, um, the first sign of civilization was a healed femur bone. The femur is the largest bone in the body. And so to have someone with a field, uh, a healed femur means that someone was taking care of them and was hunting for them and was providing first aid and nurturing them back to health. And so she summarized by saying the first sign of civilization is kindness. It's community. It's finding your tribe and taking care of each other you cannot thrive unless you are in a tribe and that and that involves empathy and connection and being kind to each other and that has stuck with me that story has stuck with me and i just think we as a as a species cannot survive unless we're kind to each other and i think reminding ourselves of that is a really really important thing to do and you know if you dig into um darwin's survival of the fittest it actually wasn't about survival of the fittest it was survival of the kindest it was those in big networks um, or tribes survive longer and i think we've we've sort of um, entered the world where competition is just rife and i think we're not looking out for each other in, in the way that maybe we used to or maybe we, we need to and i think reminding ourselves that at its core as human beings we are designed to be kind and to live in a tribe in a community and to share stories beyond ourselves to the next generation. Um, that that just helps me remind me yeah, what's important. Yeah, that, that is so anyway, so what you're doing. It's so, that's yeah. so amazing, because I know that you're a trail runner as well. So that whole idea of, you know, when you go out and you run, I mean, um, uh, Donna describes you as Amazonian almost in that. Yeah, and, and sure enough, when oh, I met you, <laughs> this, this, this sort of goddess walks into the room and then puts on a pair of six inch heels. You know, oh, hi, hi. <laughs> Unnecessary heels. But then you just, you just drop all the pretense. You drop all that, you know, it's that idea that oh, let's just, let's just find what we have in common and move forward on this. Um, yeah. Beautiful yeah. story. And as you say, it's about it's about 
how much when we support each other, how much more is possible, how much more we can achieve than when we set out on this sort of ego driven trip that is, it's a bit of an, uh, you know, a simplicity or um, an oversimplification, but that the the sort of male way of leading is that that masculinity is all about going out on your own and, and, and really sort of forging a path or going to war or conflict or, and this is about saying, okay, let's just, let's just look at what we can do as a community is, is amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, that this sort of, this masculinity was when, when men had to go out and hunt, we're not in that world anymore. It's no longer necessary to be that um, alpha male. Um, And I just think, we just need to recognize that that's not what the world needs right now um and there you know the only way we're going to really recognize that is with full equality and that's intersectional as well that's not just gender that's yeah. equality across all all different people and identities um so yeah and and, and i guess in, in terms of an actual example of, of kindness um i just i think people are just inherently kind and i was i was sort of reflecting on um a moment from uh the beginning of the pandemic and i'm sure there are thousands if not millions of these kinds of stories um but my mum um was was sort of caught up in the the big lockdown in in london or in, in england um and was under three months of quarantine home quarantine she's high risk she has asthma and we sort of went into panic mode it was sort of crisis so i'm in hong kong mm-hmm. my twin sister's in australia my brother is an hour away from mum, but he had COVID, so he couldn't leave the house. My other sister has three young kids, and so she was sheltering them at home. And so we we suddenly went, I, I personally suddenly went into this headspin, and I was like, I can't even physically fly back home. Not that that would be helpful, because I'd likely just bring the virus to her through yeah. travelling, right? So um, we, you sort of just go into this crisis mode, and and, and you're not really sure what what to do and and she actually got this flyer through the door with a qr code saying if you need help scan this qr code and you'll join a whatsapp group and um and i scanned it because i was like right mom well just i just want to see what this what this is because you know in a crisis you just your your mind goes to very dark places yeah um and uh and so i joined this whatsapp group and i messaged the guy individually and i was like look uh, my mom needs help we're very far away we can't help her you know what's the deal are you are you genuine um and he was really kind and he took his time to sort of tell me his story and, and tell me why he was doing this and and really established that level of, of trust that that meant i could then go okay well, I, I think you're wonderful and I actually think i sort of badly paraphrased charles dickens i think and i was like you are a good example of the best of people in the worst of times <laughs> and i'll never be able to repay you for this and i was just like you know, I, I was thinking about this morning, I was like, just don't cry when you talk about this story, yeah. because it always makes me so emotional that there's kindness in all of us. And, and it shouldn't take a crisis to show that. But, you know, when, when you hit rock bottom, um, there will be someone who can help you. And, and you just have to look for kindness in, in the world. And I think that stuck with me for a long time. And, and, and you know, where we where I've you're always looking for ways to pay it forward I think and and you know where we have had people who've been stuck in in lockdown in Hong Kong or Australia we've been we've been really keen to sort of support in any way that we can and 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 I think you know through the pandemic there were just these stories of kindness that were just so wonderful and it was so terrible what was going on but at, at its core humanity you know was 
to the most part good um, and so, yeah 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 exactly and knows how to rise up and step into that space and it's just a really good reminder um and um and and for me that that story and that conversation just really trans like it it took the crisis away and, and that um that urgency so um yeah it was really wonderful to and to I love I mean that. I loved yeah there were there and 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 you've you've yeah you've highlighted something that I think gosh you know we're now just coming out of the other side of it completely behind us but the one thing I would love to be able to take is all those there were so many whatsapp groups there were so many stories yeah. of people who yeah. who needed help um yeah, it always makes me cry. It brings communities together and yes, in a way yeah. that we're just like, let's not leave that behind. That was, if there was anything yes. good that came out of this, that was it. It was this this capacity to just extend yourself beyond your normal, you know, people doing shopping for one another, tiny, tiny gestures. Yeah. But everything from, yeah. you know, clapping for the NHS to to just, it was, it was that moment where you, so you will never forget that kindness and it will as you say, you'll you'll be paying it forward because you'll see suddenly, oh, maybe this this is somewhere where I can help. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, so absolutely. thank you. That's a I knew I knew you'd be good with the story. So <laughs> we've got the, the fever bone <laughs> and the yeah, pandemic story. Fantastic. And then music, you know, and I, I already know um that you're a Taylor Swift fan, so I'm sort of setting you up oh, for this because you belong in our tribe. Um that that's something that is in our house. People people often come in and we'll be play, playing songs and they'll be going, is there anything else on your playlist but Taylor Swift? And we're like, oh, sorry. Excellent. I love sorry. it. I love it. So, yeah, what's 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 the role that music plays in your life, uh, Imogen? Um, it's, uh, I, I just think music is, is a form of storytelling. And I think um, when you, that's how you share experiences. And I think... Um, listening to a certain type of story can can change your mood quite instantly and you really it can help you through something that you're going through um and the reason i love taylor swift i can't believe i just said those words on the <laughs> podcast um but i've just been going i've, I've told it's myself it's a phase but it's probably about a year or two long to be, to, to be honest um i i think she is the storyteller of our generation and i think she uses words in such a sophisticated way um and and I, I think in an interview somewhere, she said, I want to write a story for every single emotion and every single um, um, event so that I can in some way help people when they're going through that. And, and I think that's, you know, for me, that's the role of the storyteller is, is sharing experiences and sharing emotions um, with such vulnerability that it can help people get through either, you know, a challenging time or, or it can help them enjoy the happiest times, you know, um, so I, I just think she does it so well. And she's absolutely right. There's a song for every, however you're feeling, there's yeah. a Taylor Swift song for it. And I'm just like, why don't more people get on board with this? Um, but yeah, so um, so my my particular, do you have a favourite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I guess August speaks a lot to me. I But it is about, it's about um, the mood you're in, you know. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, and also because her albums are then whole stories. So folklore, I, I guess, yeah. I can just go yeah. to a place Wonderful. where it's just like, I'll put it on and there'll be something that speaks to me that day, you know, yeah. while it's on in the background. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But so for you, it's um, It's a, a little known song, but I, yeah, I, I think um, 
I I don't even know if, she, if she's actually released it, but it's a song called Marjorie, um, and it's either from Folklore or Evermore, and um, and it's this kind of song that it plays on my playlist, and it stops me in my tracks, and it it completely cuts through anything that's happening in my brain, and it causes such a an emotional reaction and such deep nostalgia that I just have to stop and listen to it, and I and I think the power of a song to do that is just phenomenal. And um, it's essentially about her late grandmother um, and her grandmother actually is in the backing vocals of the song, which I think just adds a new layer of, of magic. Um, and it's sort of this, this story of um, her grandmother passing down her wisdom, um, which you know is, is part of storytelling, but also this nostalgia and regret for not having, you know, been more present in her grandma, grandmother's life. And I think one of the biggest tragedies of, of life is that you're, you're often not old enough to know your your grandparents in a really sort of meaningful way like if if I knew them now it'd be a very different relationship and I really wished um, that I did and and I I I look back on those days with such fond nostalgia and um and that song really um really takes me there and you know I didn't know my grandfathers um but my gran and my grandma were formidable women in their own rights and I think what a path they set us on. You know, my gran was um, a fierce poet and I remember walking into a house and there were so many books, you'd just be greeted by the smell of, that really beautiful smell of books and they were stacked up the stairs and, you know, and, and she was an artist and, and then my grandma was a production um, um, developer in a theatre and, you know, worked in drama and had this huge community of people around her. And so you take from from these amazing women different things and, and you don't realize it at the time but it's sort of forming your personality and it's forming your your aspirations and your dreams and there's a there's a line in the song Marjorie that says um what died didn't stay dead and I think you know whatever you believe about death or what happens that for me rings true and I think that people like that don't die they you sort of inherit their personalities and their dreams and their stories and they shape who you are. And so they never die. They just live on through you. And I, I think that's no more true than, you know, with your grandparents or, or your parents. And I think it's such a beautiful way to, to sort of recognize that relationship that was never going to be long enough and um, that gave you such wisdom and that stays with you even now. Um, and, and I just think it's such, and, and to imagine being able to encapsulate that in a, into a single song, yeah. And to make someone feel so many things through your lyrics and your storytelling, I just think it's it's phenomenal, and I'd I'd highly recommend um, spending spending a few minutes just listening to it because it for me it's it's phenomenal storytelling at its best, and it just evokes so many emotions within me that um, I just have to sit down and and just remember, go through all those memories, um, and and really think about the influence that they they've had on my life, even you know so many decades after they've died so um yeah it's a big song for me yeah and and you know all the things all the things I mean it's I hope Taylor gets to hear you describe it that way because I think it's such that's such a lovely thing to say about someone's work I think it's reflected in what you're now doing yourself which is so much about bringing your own story into into those essences you know whether it's a song or you know these little little um sort of shows that are 
are just at the heart. And I think I think at the heart of what you do is is finding the funny. And 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 there was probably an influence mm. there from your grandmother. But also there's a really strong connection to family that's clearly coming through. You know, when you've yeah. as you've been talking, you've been, oh, I, I'm a twin and I've got other siblings and all the sort of the real sort of strong bond within your family is huge. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of emotion, I think, in, in family and and, um, and I think through stories you can really share. I mean, that's how you connect with with people yeah. and within families you, you have very different personalities um, and to be fundamentally connected in that way, which is to share this story from generations, I think is phenomenal. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a deeply resonating song for me. And I think, you know, it really does um, summarize, I mean, what I do and, and, and how I feel about story and, and the impact it can have on, on people in terms of the emotions. So um, yeah. yeah, good old Taylor. Absolutely good old Taylor. And I have to say, I watched on the way back from Hong Kong on the flight back, I watched, um, she was in Amsterdam, which if you haven't seen it, it's Margot Robbie and um, Oh, that's uh, that new? Bale. Yeah, I think it's quite new. Yeah, it was yeah, in the new okay. bit. Yeah, and, oh it, my yeah. God. And so you're, I was watching, I didn't know she was in it. And I was like, isn't that Taylor Swift? <laughs> she, she plays not a major, that. major role, but it's, and, and the, the story itself, Amsterdam as a film is an amazing story. It's based again in truth. It's based on on stuff that happened between the First World War and the Second World War. Unbelievable, and she's yeah, she's landed herself a really good role, and so she's sort of transitioning into Fantastic. a different form of storytelling, Fantastic. if you like, which is good. Amazing. Good. amazing. As she should. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, wrapping up, you've shared so much wisdom here, Imogen. I knew this was going to be a good conversation. And I think it's such a powerful conversation. What I love is you are such a strong role model for other females, you know, whether they're in leadership, whatever form of leadership they're in, you know, it's it's about it's about how you show up. And 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 I think the message around being your authentic self. I think that process of writing helps you explore your own authenticity and that's then so much more freeing to allow yourself just to be who you are. And it's not that you're not worried about what people think of you. It's more you're owning your own story and, and that gives you that yes. sense of confidence, which is just, yeah, it has a gravitational pull as far as I'm concerned. You know, you sort of, Imogen walks into the room and everybody's like, oh, great, she's arrived. That's good. So what would you <laughs> I say? Too. That's very kind. No, it's, very no kind. it's so true. It's so true. What would you say is the, the sort of the pearl of wisdom that's kind of the thing that you go back to um, to keep you on the straight and narrow? Yeah, um, uh, great question. And um and it actually didn't take me long to come up with the answer because I got it on a, on a post-it note on my um, on my desk. Um, so I did a writer's studio in, in Sydney and they had on the whiteboard, um, everything you want in life is on the other side of fear and discipline. And that's ne never truer from, from the, a writer, right? Because writing is about stepping out of your comfort zone and it's about discipline. Like there's the, yeah. the daily grind of getting words on a page. Um, but I think beyond writing as well, um, I use that, um that that statement to examine why i'm not doing the thing that i think i sh i should be achieving so if i'm not performing well in some area i'll be okay it's it's either because of fear or it's because of discipline so am i not doing the right things to get there and i'm not doing them consistently or i'm scared to step into the space and why am i scared to step into the space so it does give me um 
it gives me an opportunity to pause and say what what's going on here is it fair is it discipline usually it's one of those things it could be other things but but generally that's kind of what's playing out in my mind and especially with writing because you know I if you get out the habit the daily habit of writing yeah. um, and you lose that discipline you really can you know you feel like you're starting from from way back um, and so discipline is really important um, but also that fear aspect um, you know I, I think with writing you're always thinking god what are people going to think about this and how am I going to put this out into the world and you know am I saying the right thing um, if you can remove that and just focus on your story and telling you know what's at that core um, then it will always be the right thing and and I think you know it's how do you step out of that that self-fulfilling fear um, and maybe you can just use discipline to step out of it. Maybe it's just about getting into a regular rhythm of discipline and not thinking about anything beyond. Um, so that's what, I, that's what I tend to play with is, is it fear or discipline that's stopping me from, from achieving? Um, and I think sort of on the, as an extension of that, I read, um, I've been reading a lot of Stoicism philosophy, um, which I just, I'm a bit obsessed with at the moment. Um, so Marcus Aurelius sort of meditations, a Roman emperor who just wrote these meditations without thinking that anyone would ever read them. So they're actually quite hard to read. Um, but the philosophy and wisdom within them. Um, and, and one of my favourite Stoic sayings is, you suffer more in imagination than reality. And I think that's so true of human beings because how much of our suffering is just in our brain? I mean, obviously there's, there's real suffering, but um, we suffer so much in what we imagine to be true. And... And we, we rarely look for the truth within that. And I think there's so much anxiety around um, what we can imagine sort of in the future or reflecting on the past too much. Uh, and so really sort of staying in the present and, and thinking, am I causing myself, am I inflicting my own suffering um, by, by overthinking this? And, and, and so trying to just stay sort of a bit more um, disciplined, I guess, in sort of you know, anxiety levels and worrying and, and that kind of thing. So I think those are the two the two statements I sort of use to guide my um mental health and then my um my sort of daily my daily progress. So um No, yeah. and I think for anyone who's in a creative discipline, I mean what you've just said is you've hit the nail on the head with so there's a fear of, you know, and and, and it was very real for you standing up in front of those people putting your yes. work out there, having it judged. I mean, that, that those are real fears and, that, and there's a reason why we would fear that. But there's also <clears throat> the resistance shows up from, from that moment, you know, that the resistance stops you from just making the work, just keep, you know, yeah. carry wood, uh, carry water, chop wood. It's, it's, it's literally just keep yeah. doing what you're doing and try and take the the judgment out of it let the editor do that yeah. bit you know um you just keep producing the work and then what will surface the good stuff is actually about your audience they it what resonates will it needs to be out there in the first place for it to land and yes and that, exactly that, you, you're not exactly. in control of, of how it how it finds its audience or or what how it moves the audience but just keep making the work because that's the important part for any creative yeah. i think that's so so yeah. so clever so thank you so much um one thing i would just like to ask you to how do we get hold of you know if people want to see because it's quite often difficult with web series and things to find links and if someone's listening to this and i, I hope they do go and want to see the rest of pivot as it's released now over the next few weeks where do they find it 
Um, good question. Uh, it is on all the social channels. Um, it's probably easier to find me on LinkedIn, Imogen right. Short, and then find Pivot. Um, it's on LinkedIn. It, on LinkedIn and Facebook, it's called It's Time to Pivot. So searching for that. And then on Instagram, it's called Pivot Web Series. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it, we're... Yeah, that 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 should be the easiest way to find it. You're right. Web series are never never um, easy to find. It is being hosted on YouTube, and um, which is Pivot Web Series, um, but we're we're sort of pushing it through the social media channels at the moment. So um, there's not much activity yet on YouTube. Um, so, um, but there will be as of Thursday. So, and there'll be as ever as always. Anything we talk about in this show. There's always links in the show notes that accompany the show. So I'll make sure that all the links to it are there. But I'd highly recommend, I'm looking forward to seeing the next uh, snippets of it as it it comes out. But in the meantime, I'd just like to say thank you for the work you're doing because it's really changing people's lives. And good luck. I hope that, you know, this lands with the audience. It finds the right audiences. But it's already seeming to do that, you know, in those leadership circles in giving women the inspiration and the courage they need to step out and be themselves. So fabulous stuff. Thank you. That's very, that's very kind of you. And I, and I hope, you know, um, as I said, even if it changes one, one person's, you know, perspective or helps them in some way, then, then it's, it's, it's already, already been a really meaningful journey, but, um, you know, equally, thank you for, for giving me the time to, to talk about, um, about all of this. And, and I think, you know, what you're doing in terms of storytelling, is is just as valuable and just as meaningful. So so thank you um, for for continuing to put out stories of of people who can share their wisdom, and um, in the hopes that sort of it, it helps connect um, people or help them through whatever they're going through. Yeah, that language of connection, co- collaboration, kindness—it's all there. It's absolutely all there. No, yeah. it's been a joy. It's been a real pleasure to have this conversation. And yeah. We'll look look out for the next series of Pivot and whatever Imogen Short and Three Sheep Productions is going to do next. Fantastic. Thank you. Bye now. Wow, just amazing. That story about the first sign of civilization being a healed femur bone. Kindness, empathy and connection are the first signs of community and the essence to how we survive. And I also loved what Imogen shared about how important it is to our story to know our history and those strong female leaders from our past. So that as Taylor puts it, what dies doesn't stay dead. This feels like a very poignant moment to celebrate a proud mum moment too. As my 17 year old daughter Hannah just found out that her poem Favourite Mug won the Young Writers Poetry Competition for 2022. Out of a field of 16,000 contestants, her poem was one of five winners selected. So if you're a writer or a storyteller, I'd encourage you to keep going and remember Imogen's wise words that everything you want in life is on the other side of fear and discipline. That's the only inspiration you need to go and do something creative with your time this week and make sure you have fun in the process. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll catch you later. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. 
You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.